Hey, just wanted to jump in here real quick before we get started to say hello. We hope you are doing well. I uh, just want to let you know this episode is a little bit different than normal. This is the first time we've had a guest on the show. And uh, Julie's audio is also going to sound a little bit different because she is currently home in bed, uh, not feeling very well. So she's recording this uh, through our app that we have on the phone. Um, but her audio still doesn't sound that bad either. So uh, again, thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you are doing well and enjoy this episode of F Yeah Disney. Hello, and welcome to F Yeah Disney. We're your hosts, Julie and Jason. And we are here to give you an unfiltered view of all things Disney. We'll be covering events, news, history, food, and so much more. So strap on your ears, grab a churro, and enjoy today's episode of F, F Yeah, yeah Disney. Disney. Hey, what's happening? Welcome to F Yeah Disney episode 18. How the hell are you doing today? We are all doing pretty good, I think. Uh, we have a special guest host with us today, Matt from uh, Love of the Mouth's podcast. I almost said Love of the Mouth. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Love of the Mouth's podcast. Uh, it's a fun show. Uh, it's how I found him uh, out there in the Twitter world, I guess, was through your podcast initially. Yeah, man. So welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Um, this has been a long time coming, so I'm, I'm really excited to actually get to talk to you guys. We've yeah. only had your Figment Funko Pop for the last, gosh, six, seven, eight yeah. months. <laughs> <laughs> and he actually forgot about it, too, so it was, uh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't feel as bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was a happy surprise. We planned yeah, it. Yeah, especially now. We knew oh, yeah, this exactly. pandemic was going to happen, so we wanted to make sure you had some light in the darkness. Oh, yeah. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, hell yeah. So, yeah, man. So, uh, before we get started here, I want to get a little history on your background. So, in terms of your, your Disney life and stuff, uh, what, I guess, early memories, when did you start getting into Disney and stuff, and then what led to your, your podcast? Sure. Um, so, I think... It really started, I mean, for as long as I can remember, I've been watching Disney movies. Um, Disney has kind of always been a part of not only my life, but my personality, I think. Um, so when I was younger, I remember in kindergarten, whenever, you know, you're doing that bullshit of, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I remember writing for the yearbook that I wanted to be an animator for, for Disney. And that was when I was like five or six years old. So that's been an aspiration of mine for pretty much forever. So just, you know, connecting with the movies and all of the, like, I was always drawing growing up and that led to my path and my, my career now as a graphic designer was always the inspiration of Disney and that connection. And then when I was a senior in high school, I went back to the parks for the second time because I had only ever been to Magic Kingdom one time in my life prior to that. And it was for one day. My parents took me when I was in fifth grade for one day because we were in Orlando for like a week, but we made the trek to Disney for one day. And um, I got to go to all of the parks my senior year of high school and it was just freaking amazing. And 
since then it's just been really really awesome and in 2017 i went with my girlfriend for the first time and that was my third time going and and since then i've been seven times in the past three years so and being from pittsburgh i I know you guys can go pretty much whenever you want and jason you can go especially whenever you want yeah but well i I did not always live down here fair fair so yeah i mean it's just that special appreciation when you're able to go as much when you're not there like in the direct vicinity of disney in the disney bubble constantly it just makes it all that more special to me so whenever i got to go in 2017 that was my girlfriend's first time ever so we went i think we've gone five times together and i've gone on two solo trips since that that trip in 2017 and it's just been amazing and you know and in the process of that i started my podcast love of the mouse podcast just because i wanted to talk about disney more and figured why the hell not so that's where i'm at yeah yeah that's that's why we started ours too and and we know that like you know most of disney podcasts are geared towards family you know anybody can listen to it and for us we really wanted to have something that was more themed for adults you know because uh i have my own kids and we're gonna have kids eventually but uh, we really wanted to speak to the adult because, you know, like the, the childless millennial generation that's out there, <laughs> it's a pretty vast group of people that love Disney. You know, even like the Disneyland annual pass holders, I'm sure the majority of those people are, they don't have any kids or more adults just having fun in the parks, you know. And sure. uh, so we want to kind of have more of that edginess to, uh, to our show. It's going to keep us from uh, ever being invited by Disney to uh, have any kind of, you know, <laughs> meetups for any kind of uh, media or anything like that, which, you know, is whatever. So, yeah. So that's yeah. That's why I have my other podcast. Yeah, she does a Disney foodie <laughs> foodie show, and you also do a lot of uh, other guests guest appearances on a lot of other shows out there, huh? I do. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things to do is just talking with whoever wants to talk to me because I don't think that I'm an interesting person at all. But when it comes to Disney. So many people want to talk to me, and I'm just like, why the hell do you want to talk to me? <laughs> it, just, it just keeps happening. Like, I was on another show two weeks ago on um, Part of Our World. I don't know if you've ever listened to them or not, but they're great. Keenan and Rachel are freaking awesome people, and I've met them on Twitter too. And just connecting with just all of these different shows. I think this is like my seventh or eighth show that I've been on. That's fun. Yeah, it, it's awesome just meeting all these different people who love Disney. Yeah, Ben, you know, we should all talk like on the side, like get all these podcasts together and have like a big meetup one of these times, like an Epcot and do like a drink around the world Disney podcast, you know, record the episode type of thing all together, you know? Oh, that would be great. That would be so fun. Yeah, it'd be a blast. It'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, man. So uh, you ready, hon, to get into the the meat and potatoes of the show? So we like to always start off with uh, talking about what we're we're drinking on and uh, being that we're recording this here on uh, the 10th. Is it 10th or 8th? 11th? I don't know what the hell day of the week it is even. Today is the 11th. It is Saturday. Uh, March? April? April April. 11th. (laughs) God, man, I'm so behind. He also was like, yeah, we've been married for like five and a half months now. I was like, three and a half? (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, but yeah, so we are... uh, it's a Saturday, and uh, I, I know for a lot of folks right now, being on home lockdown, the, the line has been blurred from the time that uh, you should be drinking coffee to the time you should crack that first beer or uh, have a yeah, glass of wine. Yeah, this morning at 10 a.m., he's like, so beer with breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> okay, hey, it's, for a, me. it's Easter Eve. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> and then the liquor store is closed tomorrow, so I walked out of the liquor store with like three bags of alcohol. It wasn't a lot. It was like two six-packs. 
and some bubbly so that we can have mimosas tomorrow. But it looked like I was walking out like an alcoholic. Yeah, we're talking like we are too, but we don't. We like we mostly just drink when we record the show. We did not have beer with breakfast. No. So, uh, did you grab yourself a beverage for this recording, sir? I I absolutely did. I am going very basic though. I'm just drinking an Iron City, which is just a basic Pittsburgh beer. Ooh. So nice. I was scared that you it, were gonna it, say I went basic and I'm gonna drink a Bud Light, and I was like, Ooh, Matt. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not, I'm not going that crazy. I mean, this probably tastes worse than Bud Light to people not in Pittsburgh. It's pretty much piss water, but you know, whatever. That's funny though, man, with the beer culture now, it's like when you say basic, it's still some kind of craft beer of some sort. <laughs> just <laughs> oh no, this is not craft beer. No, it's this just the, the local, the local brew. Hilarious. Hey, local brews are not bad. Yeah, I hear you. So I'm drinking on this, uh, I think it's pronounced Elias, Elysian. 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 There you go. She knows it. Uh, it's called Salute the Sun. It's some kind of lime. Uh, oh, it's lime. Pale ale. Yeah, it says. I don't uh, know. There was a citrus picture on it. He said he wanted something fruity. Uh, it says uh, this pale ale is conditioned on sun-dried black limes and vibrates with a ridiculous amount of citrus hop. Yeah, I apparently went super lime with my choices then because mine is a cherry key lime burst by Wicked Weed Brewing. It is a sour, and it is insanely delicious, so it's got the stronger notes of the lime to make it, you know, the citrus and the sour, and then the cherry finish is very nice. Very nice. What's your alcohol volume on yours? I don't know. Uh, should be high if it's the 4. sour. 4.5? Oh, that's actually kind of low for... I think it's because it's a Saison. I don't know. We're kind of spoiled down here. It's crazy, man. Like, once the once the, the craft beer scene in Florida started happening, it, like... It went crazy. Oh, yeah. It's huge down there. It's almost too much. If that's such a thing. <laughs> Depends who you talk to, I guess. Yeah. I think it's cool, too, with Disney, too. You know, like, really promoting, like, the local scene. Like, it, just in Florida for craft beers when they're doing the flower and gardens or food and wines or even the restaurants picking things up and pairing beers with food. And Oh, yeah. that That's one of my favorite things about food and wine in particular. I mean, that that's my favorite time to go to Disney is during food and wine. I mean, for me, coming in and being like, "Oh, this is like a local beer. This is this is super cool." Um, you know, just the that they're bringing all that stuff into the parks when it's it's local, but for all of the tourists that come to Disney every single day, it's not local. Yeah, and it's it's huge for those those companies too that are crafting the beers to get that kind of kind of uh, exposure in a sense. Yeah, this was actually my first food and wine living in Florida, and I had this crazy ambition to eat every single item on the food and wine <laughs> menus because I lived in Florida now. I could go to Disney every day. And then I was like, oh, that's like a million dollars. All right, cool. Guess I yeah. can't do that. <laughs> but I tried. I think. I how did, I how much did you accomplish? Um, so I at least had one thing from everywhere. I actually tried Italy this year. The short ribs okay. that they had that were um, had a balsamic glaze on them was mm -hmm. they were incredible and they give you like four or five and they were like massive ribs so for eight dollars that was definitely like the hands down win I was actually very disappointed at the lamb in Australia this year because the old lamb with the mint um, 
oh my god i can't even think of what it's called but the mint and the little potato chips on top and the way that that was seasoned yep. was perfection and this year they did it was really good but it just wasn't the same it was like pomegranate sauce with pistachios and it was yummy but bring back my perfect perfect lamb chop but yeah i think i got yep. one thing from everywhere including italy because normally amy and i skip Italy every year because it's really boring, but this year seemed like a fun, different option. Oh, I didn't do Spain, but I did everywhere else. I've gone to food and wine. I've only been twice, but I've gone the past two years, and both times I've only been for four days, so it's been like a madhouse for me, just, you know, try as much as I can in those four days, and... I think my favorite thing, if they keep it on and you didn't try it, it's the it, it, at the Alps booth that they just put in this past year. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the, uh, what the hell was it called? Was it like the venison stew or something like that? No, it wasn't the venison stew. It was like the, like, potatoes or some shit with cheese moated over it. Raclette cheese, yeah. Yeah, it was fucking awesome yep that was that was the first thing i had actually at the entire festival yeah that I was lined it to the alps and was like i'm trying the raclette cheese <laughs> yeah it was so good and like i i love cheese but i was like all right i'll try this you know n- knock another one off the list you know and whenever i was like holy shit this is like my favorite thing that i've had for the festival. <laughs> yeah. yeah i worked up north at wegman's before i moved down in the cheese department so i've tried like every cheese under the sun we have like 600 varieties of cheese and moving to florida i have yet to find a grocery store that has a vast selection of cheese such as wegman's and it's very sad so being able to go to the festival and getting the raclette i was like yes <laughs> Yeah, she was spoiled up there for sure. For sure. Yeah, so before we get into our uh, our segments we normally do, our This Day in Disney and our What the Forky Foods, uh, we were going to do a uh, To Infinity and Your Mom segment, but there's like, you know, everything's closed right now. And uh, those that know Disney is, uh, is uh, doesn't know when they're going to be opening again. I'm assuming sometime in June it's going to be. We'll but see. To Infinity and Your Mom comes after this day in Disney. I know. I'm just saying we're not. We normally do those segments, but those segments we're probably not going to do. We're going to do our uh, this day in Disney. And we're then I definitely have a what the Forky Foods. And for uh, we're doing what the Forky Foods, and then uh, the meat potatoes of our show today, uh, which we brought Matt on to talk about, is uh, some history of Disney and their transportation systems. Uh, one of the po- I posted on Instagram the other day, uh, our last little bon voyage leaving Magic Kingdom on the ferry boat, leaving and. Uh, Usually when I do that, whenever we take the ferry boat back to the TTC, I go to the back of the boat, the stern, up top, and like watch Magic Kingdom disappear in the background and Space Mountain. You can see all of that, you know, at once. And for the first time, I went to the bow of the boat and we watched, you know, the ferries coming towards us and stuff. And uh, seeing that post and seeing the video on my phone got me thinking about Disney transportation and understanding how they've had to evolve over the years, uh, starting off with what they had when they first opened to where they are now. And uh, so we're going to get into some of that history and uh, just kind of conversate about our favorites and the pros and cons of some stuff. I know Julie and I have experienced a lot of different variations in times of whether you should take the monorail back or the ferry boat back or where you should pick the monorail up at based on time of day and where you're at. And it's uh, a lot of uh, tricks and uh, things along, you know, the Disney time period that you spend there that you can pick up on the more you go. 
and uh, you know we're gonna have a fun talk about this. So looking forward to chit chatting about some some Disney transportation history. Absolutely. I think sounds like it could be completely dull and uh, nerdy, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it just goes with, with uh, you know some we're some the workings of Disney history. And I know that myself personally being there, the, you know, over the last ten years more or less, just driving through property and seeing all the changes that have happened too is just something I've been thinking about wanting to uh, to research. And so now this was a good opportunity. Yeah, I appreciate you guys bringing me on for this. Yeah, man, absolutely. So uh, other than that, I think it's time for us to get into our This Day in Disney segment. And then uh, we'll go from there. If you had it to do over again, would you do any part of it differently? Well, if I had it to do over again, uh, I think, uh, no, I don't think I would. <laughs> All right, now it's time for this day in Disney history, starting from April 19th through the 25th. And uh, one of our main sources is uh, thisdayindisneyhistory.com, when we also use uh, several different resources online. But they're the main go-to in terms of just getting the schedule for this, and we'll have their link in the show notes. You can definitely go check them out. Uh, but this is from April 19th until the 25th. And on April 19th, 2009, Disney World Space Mountain shuts down for major renovations. It is the first time Space Mountain has temporarily closed for improvements since the popular attraction first opened at Walt Disney World in 1975. The renovations include a new track inside the enclosed coaster, although the layout of the track will remain the same, a new enclosure for a ride queuing area, and a new ceiling. Uh, fans of the ride can look forward to a new Space Mountain that is a bit more 21st century. Uh, this definitely updated the ride to look a little bit more closer to the 21st century and technology. Uh, they also did another renovation uh, about two years ago on the exit queue for the ride as well. And they were just uh, basically got rid of the people mover kind of uh, conveyor belt that was super bouncy that I loved a lot. Uh, but they did keep the show little scenes and the future scenes in there uh, for the different communities of tomorrow. And uh, if you haven't have been on that ride in the last 10 years, you can definitely notice a difference in what they've done in there. They also have the new game on the Disney Play app that you can play while you're in there as well. It's a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, there you go for that. Uh, April 20th, 1991. The Sci-Fi Dining Theater restaurant opens in then-MGM Studios in May of 1991. The restaurant is modeled after a 1950s drive-in theater. Walt Disney Imagineering designed the booths to resemble convertibles of the, of the period, and some servers act as car hops while wearing roller skates. While eating, guests watch a large projection screen displaying film clips from the 1950s and 60s, uh, films such as Frankenstein Meets the Space Monster, Plan 9 from Outer Space, and Attack of the 50-Foot Woman. Some menu items include popcorn that is served as a free hors d'oeuvre. You can also order milkshakes, hot fudge sundaes, seafood salad, turkey sloppy joes, fried pickles, St. Louis-style barbecue ribs, beef and blue cheese salads, and more. And a fun little side note fact about this restaurant is that there are six picnic tables near the back of the dining room that are used when the restaurant is full, and there are also guests that are willing to forego the experience of sitting in cars that can be used. April 21, 2008. The day before Animal Kingdom's 10th anniversary, Josh Gates, host of the Sci-Fi Channel series Destination Truth, presents a cast of what is believed to be a Yeti footprint to Joe Rohde, Vice President and Executive Designer of Walt Disney Imagineering at Walt Disney World. 
Gates and his expedition team found the footprint while filming an episode of Destination Truth in Nepal in 2007. The cast is now on display in the museum space of Expedition Everest. Uh, when you're going through the offices and the uh, eventually like the museum that they have, the different displays of all the different types of uh, primate footprints, there is a large cast that you'll see. It's quite fascinating. I remember once I first saw this, uh, I actually wondered if this was something from a film or a TV show or potentially, a, you know, quote-unquote real cast of uh, Bigfoot's foot. So it's pretty cool now to know what that actually is. April 22, 1998. Disney World's $800 million Animal Kingdom opens in Florida with five attractions, nine exhibits, 12 live entertainment shows, 11 merchandise locations, and eight food locations. Spanning 500 acres, Animal Kingdom is billed as a quote-unquote a new species of theme park. Two of the three major lands, Africa and Dinoland USA, open on this date, and Asia will eventually open in 1999. There were so many people in line on this opening day that officials opened the gates at 6 a.m. instead of the posted 7 a.m. The first guests through the gate are Brenda Hur of St. Petersburg, Florida, which is my hometown, her husband, Damon Sheprin, and their son, Devin, who slept in their car the night before. The family receives a lifetime pass to Walt Disney theme parks worldwide. 75 minutes after opening, the park reached its capacity, and the gates were closed again until early afternoon. Unofficial estimates place peak crowds at over 35,000 guests. April 23, 1969. Musical cues and various sound effects are recorded at Whitney Studios and the Walt Disney Production Recording Stage, both located in California, for Disneyland's much-anticipated Haunted Mansion attraction, which was scheduled for opening on August of that year, 1969. April 24, 2009, Imagineering legend Marty Sklar announces in a letter to all Imagineers that he will say goodbye to Walt Disney World Imagineering on July 17, 2009. Born in New Brunswick, New Jersey, Sklar was a student at University of California, Los Angeles and editor of Daily Brew newspaper. In 1955, he was recruited by Disney to create a 1950s-themed newspaper, the Disneyland News, a month before the theme park opened. After graduating, he joined Disneyland full-time in 1956, where he held responsibilities for most of the park's publicity and marketing materials. In 1961, he moved to Weta Enterprises, renamed Walt Disney Imagineering in 1986, where he worked on attractions for the 1964 New York World's Fair. Among the attractions he helped design during this period were the Enchanted Tiki Room and It's a Small World. In 1974, he became vice president of Concepts Planning and guided the creative development of Epcot Center now known as Epcot, at Florida's Walt Disney World Resorts. As Vice President of Creative Development, Executive Vice President, and then President of Imagineering for nine years, Galar supervised the design and construction of Tokyo Disneyland, the Disney MGM Studios, Disneyland Paris, Disney's Animal Kingdom, Disney California Adventure Park, Tokyo Disney Sea, the Walt Disney Studios Park, and Hong Kong Disneyland. And on April 25, 1961, Walt and Roy Disney went to Bank of America and finally paid off their loan. All the revenue now earned from Disney films can go directly to Walt Disney Productions. And uh, Disney had borrowed a large loan to then be able to create Disneyland, as well as bringing some investors on board. And uh, at the time, I believe ABC Studios had a major portion. Uh, they invested something like $500,000. Uh, I believe they owned about 35% of the shares at the time. And Disney was able to pay them back. And in the end, the $500,000 investment from ABC turned into something like a $7 million return. So pretty cool stuff. So that was this day in Disney history from, again, April 19th until April 25th. And now it's time for us to get into some super nerdy Disney talk with our new buddy Matt from Love of the Mouse podcast as we discuss the history of Walt Disney transportation. 
Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. All right, so right now it's time for us to get into some Disney transportation history. And uh, I guess the way we're going to work this is I'm going to kind of narrate and read here some of the this script that I wrote. And then uh, we'll conversate. And we're going to chime in with our two cents. Or Just three. Just like that. Or three cents, if you got them. I only have two. I, I know this. <laughs> Whoa, okay. But they are shiny. They're shiny pressed at Disney pennies, honey. I have lots of Disney pennies. That, to me, is the biggest waste of money ever. They're only 50 cents. <laughs> I, that's my point. You're going to pay 50 cents to press a fucking penny. Yeah, with Figment's picture, and then you put them <laughs> in the collectible thing. I, I just don't get it. We disagree. I'd rather buy, uh, I don't know. What? What else in Disney are you going to buy for 50 cents? It's actually 51 cents it costs you. No, it doesn't. You get the penny back. You can't spend that bitch, though. You get it back. <laughs> what do you think, Matt? <laughs> What's your opinion on the press pennies? Um, I bought one because... Ah, on my side. Well, oh, okay, no, I, I wouldn't say I'm on your side. I, I apologize. I don't I think know, I'm on your I'm side. Just, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I knew that it was not going one. in my favor, so I just had to announce it. I was like, you know, it's it's cool, but that was 50 cents, you know. like I could have used that for some extra cheese at Casey's or something like no, that, you, you know? Wouldn't. Extra cheese at Casey's is like $4. <laughs> I'm thinking like vending machine money at the resort when you go back. That's fair too. Fifty cents? No, but it's fifty cents towards F- towards the four dollar beverage. Or I'm just saying. Or three dollar Snicker bar. I'm just saying. Yeah, you know, quarters are impor- are are very important when it comes to Disney parks. Yeah. I mean, you see and tons of them in the in the fountains. <laughs> hey, let's okay. Let's not knock that one because I threw a quarter. Into the wishing well next to Cinderella's castle, castle, wished for true love, and three months later we were in a relationship. So, hmm. at least you didn't spend that quarter on a one set penny. This is true. <laughs> I had three pennies. I mean, three quarters. <laughs> but I've heard too that Disney goes through and collects all those all those pennies and they give it to uh, some of the foundations out there. I've also heard that. Yeah, that's super cool that they do that. Except for I think they don't do it in uh, Animal Kingdom at, in the line for the uh, Yeti for uh, Mount Everest. Because you're not supposed to throw coins there. I know. Just saying. That's where the people go and take them. Yeah, right. So that they can get their, their press pennies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or they fling the rubber bands up on the, uh, the slope. Oh. So you, <laughs> you know what started that? I'd heard that the reason that started was people were trying to fling rubber bands up onto the at the top of the train track, you know, where it breaks off. Okay. Trying to like ring, yeah, it, ring it around the track or something. Ring around the railroad track. And uh, that's, yeah, that's what started that. So I'll tell you a quick story. I don't want to take this off the rails too bad. But uh, it's all good. Have you listened to any of our podcasts before? <laughs> <laughs> this is what we do. <laughs> I have. Yeah, no. I just, it's so funny because you bring that up. Like the second time that my girlfriend and I went to Disney we did the first two times we just did animal kingdom and magic kingdom and we always started at animal kingdom and the first like we rope dropped you know our second trip first day at animal kingdom and we get off of expedition everest and like this was before pandora even opened so it's like all right you know this is like the thing to rope drop and she just gets so pissed instantly because she lost her hair tie 
And like, she didn't throw it or anything. It just like came out of her hair while we were walking or something. She didn't realize until we were off the ride. So she was like pissed off instantly. And we had to go the entire way around the park. We go to like six different gift shops. They're like, oh, go here, go here, go here. And then it literally takes us to the front of the fucking park in front of the tree of life. And it's like, all right, that's fine. You could have just told us that at the first, like everybody's like redirecting us in different ways. And then we're like, all right, we'll go. And they have these like little, little girl, like Mickey Mouse plastic ear, you know, like hair ties. And she's like, she's like, yeah, I'm going to have to pay for this for $15 and I'm never going to wear this again in my life. And I'm like, well, do you want to be pissed off all day or do you just want to buy it? I'll buy it for you. I don't give a shit. So we buy them. And then I was like, what do you want to do? And she's like, well, Expedition Everest is still only at a 15 minute wait. Let's go. So we go on Everest. And that was the first time she ever noticed all of the hair ties at the uh, up at the top. And she's like, I fucking hate this. <laughs> like, this is. I could have just reached over and took one. <laughs> uh, salt in the wounds. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So Something just amazing. that whole uh, how that played out was just unbelievable. Yeah, that's so funny awesome yeah i love that ride though it's so much fun the last time we went on it actually uh we did single rider and it was actually the night jason proposed to me Mm. Aww. anyway so we went on a single rider and jason sat in the back and i ended up in the front but i ended up at the front with these like three kids that i mean had to have been 19 20 i don't know they were hilarious and so you know we instantly bonded because that's what i do with everyone and we're going up the ride and we got to that point with all the hair ties and the kid sitting next to me goes, Samantha. (laughs) (laughs) I lost it. I was like, yeah, these people are amazing. (laughs) That's great. (sighs) All right. So now that we've been rambling, I think it's time for us to get into some Disney history. Since 1971, Walt Disney World has moved guests around its property through many forms of transportation. The problem Disney had to solve while designing the newest theme park was how to get the millions of guests to stay on their property while offering them a convenient way to get to and from the theme parks, shopping locations, and restaurants offered on the property. The initial development of the Walt Disney World property included two resorts within a stone's throw of Magic Kingdom, several dining offerings outside of the Magic Kingdom, and a small shopping center that we now know as Disney Springs. Disney hoped these offerings would keep guests from having a need to leave the property, So they constructed a transportation infrastructure that conveniently transported guests to and from their desired destinations through several means. When the first two Disney resorts, the Contemporary and Polynesian, opened, being that they were so close to the Magic Kingdom, the first of these forms of transportation were included in the initial design of the developed property. Borrowed from an already implemented system developed for Disneyland is the monorail. Initially started in Disneyland in 1959, Walt's dream was an eco-friendly transportation system that could be used as a mass transportation service through the country's major metropolitan cities like Los Angeles and San Francisco. Because of the growing popularity of the automobile in the late 1950s, the idea of a futuristic-style transportation system seemed more of a pipe dream than a reality. So Walt moved forward with the development of the monorail, and brought on Disney designer Bob Gurr, who then headed a Disney team that designed and manufactured the car's chassis, suspension, and propulsion systems, thus completing the red MK1, just in time for the rededication of Tomorrowland. Which is interesting, thinking back to, uh, yeah, when they redid Tomorrowland, because Tomorrowland was kind of such a quick throw together for Walt when Disneyland first opened up. They just kind of did a couple things, and 
made it look quote unquote futuristic, even though it really wasn't. <laughs> I mean, at the time, it was probably a little bit futuristic. Yeah, well, I know they had the Monsanto home. I don't know if you know about the Monsanto home, Matt, that they built there. It was like the home of the I future. I do not. So they built this home of the future, and it was made and constructed out of uh, parts that would never dissolve and corrode and, you know, whatever, like at the time period. And the the plan for this house, I think it was only supposed to be there for like three months as a, as a thing. And uh, they decided back then, uh, Disneyland used to be closed on Mondays, time-wise. So the uh, construction company had planned on tearing this house down on a Monday and being done with it, right? Well, three weeks later, they were able to finally get this thing destroyed. They actually had a wrecking ball crew come out. And the wrecking ball literally bounced off the side of the house. Huh. Isn't that crazy? That's pretty crazy. That's yeah, how that's, well that's, that's yeah, that's how well built this house was built back then, back in the fifties, which is crazy. I yeah. mean, even seeing like the monorails at that time, like looking at them now, it's like ah, you know, these could use an update. But like at that time, that would be freaking mind blowing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And even the ones they still have are still kind of like modeled off their original design, which is rad. I could, which I'm kind of curious to see what our new monorails are going to look like here. Not like that. If we ever get them. Although, I got to say, I so in, the, in Disneyland, you can still ride in the front of the monorail. Just throwing that one out there. can still ride in the front of the monorail. Is, and is anybody not as excited about this as I am? I went to Disneyland in April. <laughs> I got to ride in the front of the monorail. It was amazing. I documented it. I have pictures. Like, I would love to do it. Highlight of my trip. It was amazing. Um but the wraps that they have on the monorails in Disneyland, I don't know. They're just so much better. And they're, they're definitely, I don't know if they're a newer model or an older model. They look like a newer model of monorail, but they are beautiful. They are very photogenic, too. I have some amazing pictures. It's just interesting, though, that that's, that, tr that wasn't necessarily like for transportation. It was just a, a cool little, hey, look what the future is going to look like. Let's go ride around the park for 10 minutes. Well, and that's the thing, too. There's one monorail that you can take that goes from Magic Kingdom to downtown Disney. But there's also a monorail that just takes you around the park still. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm really curious, though, because I know, like, the, our monorails are, like, 30 years past due from being replaced here at Magic Kingdom. So I'm really <laughs> curious when this is going to happen, because they're definitely keep falling apart, you know? <laughs> it's crazy. The stories. Oh, yeah. What? Like, a, a door flew open on one uh, I think like a year or two ago, right? Yeah. It wasn't that long ago. Yeah, and then uh, there was a part that had fallen off. I've gotten stuck on the monorail for extended periods of time because of the monorail in front of me. And what was interesting, so we went the last day that uh, Disney was open for the parks and took the monorail, which uh, for me I was a little nervous with the, this corona crap going around. And uh, But then had sure. the, didn't have the air conditioning on inside the monorail, so it was a... Uh, Hot and stuffy, yeah. Yeah, it's no fun. Which and was probably just because it was maintenance that needed to be done on it, and they were like, well, we're closing tomorrow, so let's wait until we're closed to tackle this maintenance. Yeah. Which, I mean, doesn't... Like, I mean, that makes sense to me. But at the same time, that would be absolutely miserable with no air. Yeah, it was rough. We tried to ignore it. We were talking with the family in front of us, and their their daughter was dressed like little Belle. It was like super cute. So it was nice and distracting. All right. So where were we here? So the design was then brought to the Magic Kingdom, and along with the oversight of Bob Gurr, the monorail system opened in 1971.
connecting the contemporary and Polynesian resorts to the Magic Kingdom via the quote-unquote resort line. And a second express line brought guests to and from the Ticket and Transportation Center, or TTC as we call it, where guests parked their cars. By 1982, Epcot officially opened, and so did their monorail line that took guests to and from the TTC to Epcot. And on a fun note, a uh, fun side note here, uh, because of the current contracts between Universal and Marvel, the uh, Epcot line is the only line that a monorail cannot advertise any Marvel film that Disney releases. And this is because <laughs> it is the only line that actually goes into a Disney park uh, where the uh, hotel line that does not go into the parks at all. So they can have all the Disney shit that they're, you know, Marvel stuff on that, that they want uh, because it doesn't actually go into a park. Isn't that wild? That's super crazy. Yeah. That's how, like, picky they are about this whole contract. So over the next decade, the Walt Disney World theme parks began to expand its offerings with opening of MGM in 1989 and Animal Kingdom in 1998. This increased the overall attendance from 23.9 million guests during Disney's 1986 fiscal year, which actually was the very first year that Disney released the numbers of guests coming in. They used to just refer to it as a percentage increase every year, but this was the very first year that they said that they had 23.9 million guests in the parks. And uh, by 2013, it increased to 50,125,000 that year. And this is back in 2013. So by this time, Disney had to figure out how that they were going to manage the continued growth of the resort, as well as prepare for the massive crowds that would be in attendance for the 50th anniversary in 2021. Not even to mention the fucking crowds that came in for the opening of Galaxy's Edge and Toy Story Land. <laughs> All right? Yeah. Which is insane. So according to Disney insider Jim Hill, uh, who discussed on his podcast in 2018, uh, Disney began to make plans with an outside opinion from someone who was instrumental in helping San Francisco update their transportation infrastructure. According to Jim Hill, during this meeting with the heads of the Disney transportation system, this outside resource told Disney that they need to stop thinking of themselves as a theme park and to begin to think of themselves as a city. With Disney having a fleet of 390 buses at the time of 2018, or 2013 actually, this is when this meeting happened, they were the third largest transportation service in the state of Florida outside of Miami and Jacksonville. Uh, this guy also recommended that Disney add a service similar to the yellow cabs seen all over San Francisco and an attraction like the cable cars, which led to the development of the minivan service and the Disney Skyliner. Other recommendations were to import in the extended buses that can double the amount of guests they transport, increase the size of the bus terminals at each theme park, as well as to create bus-only lanes through Disney property. Uh, these lanes you'll notice more extensively on the way to Disney Springs, which was a testing ground for this expansion of the, of the bus lanes. Besides the bus lanes, Disney Springs also added three parking garages, uh, which with one dedicated to overflow and for cast members working on the properties uh, it can give them a convenient place to park. Besides the buses, monorails, minivans, and skyliners, another popular form of transportation is the watercraft. So I've never personally been to San Francisco, but knowing San Francisco, I know the yellow cabs are a big thing there, and then also the trolley, which is this whole you know tourist attraction. Like you got the Thermopolis. What is it? Is on a trolley. No, she's not on a trolley. The trolley hits her car. And then her grandmother knights the trolley driver. It happens in San Francisco, Princess Diaries. Anyway. Uh, are you familiar, Matt? Uh, my reference to San Francisco is Full House. Thank you. So <laughs> <laughs> that's 
That's all I know. <laughs> As Julie's over here shaking her head. <laughs> it's a Disney movie, guys. Yeah, I don't know if she's officially been called a Disney princess yet, but uh, maybe one day. Well, she is. Disney watercraft have been instrumental into transporting guests back and forth between the Magic Kingdom and its resorts or for guests returning to their cars at the TTC. With a variety of destinations that can be visited through the waterways of Walt Disney World, they had to evolve the many ways of transporting guests based on the capacity needed. The ferry boat is the largest of the fleet, which carries up to 600 guests, with three boats operating at a time. Smaller boats that are more like water taxi transport guests back and forth between the Magic Kingdom and the Grand Floridian, Polynesian, Contemporary, and Fort Wilderness resorts. I have taken all the boats. All the boats. Yeah, have you ever gone on the water taxis over there at Magic Kingdom? You're still missing a boat. I have not gone on the water ta- water taxis. No, not not a Magic Kingdom. Uh, so I hadn't I hadn't either until her and I went uh, for our one year knowing each other anniversary. Uh, we did uh, dinner over at um, uh, we did the hoop to review. review at the, the okay. Fort Wilderness Campground. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Total brain fart. <laughs> But we decided to go by Magic Kingdom uh, before dinner. We had a couple hours to kill, and they had it was the night they were filming for the Thanksgiving show. So they had Sting and um, Shaggy, Shaggy were on stage, you know, doing their performance, and all the fireworks were sure. going off. Like it was fucking amazing being there for it. And to get from Magic Kingdom to Fort Wilderness, you take one of the, the water taxis. And I remember when I started working there, I would I park backstage in what's called Pluto, which is where all the managers and some of the performers park at. And it's our, that, that bus takes me right to the back of our shop, which gives me the access to, to be able to park there. And so going that back road behind, which basically takes you into either the Contemporary Resort or goes behind Spaceship Earth. Uh, not Spaceship sure. Earth, uh, Space Mountain on Magic Kingdom property. Um, you go over, you go underneath the water bridge which for the longest time I thought was just a, just for some reason they had a, a bridge there. I didn't know what the hell it was. I had no idea water actually was above me every time I would go underneath this thing. And then one day I'm coming home from work and I see a boat going across the street, you know, and I'm like, what the fuck? This is amazing. It was actually the <laughs> night they had the water pageant parade going on that they do. And uh, so the, all, all the little boats, the, the little things were going across with all the lighted up little things, you know, going on. And I yeah. thought this was rad as shit. And I was like, I can't believe I've never actually been in a boat that's gone across this bridge. Especially the amount of times I've been over my lifetime, been to the parks. So when he her also made me record him saying, "I'm on a boat." Yeah. <laughs> so when we went to uh, Magic Kingdom, we took the water taxi to Fort Wilderness via the water bridge, and it was just so wild going over this little fucking bridge doing it. But the boats are cool because they have two different sizes. They have like a medium sized one, I'd call it, that has more of a cover that you go inside of. Um, and then they have one that's completely open air that's a little bit smaller. So when we went to Fort Wilderness, we took the, the medium-sized one that we went inside and were completely encased and closed in. And then when we went from, we decided to take the monorail from the Contemporary that night instead of going back to Magic Kingdom for the monorail. So we took the smaller boat from Fort Wilderness to the Contemporary, and it was like full open air. Fireworks. It was cold as shit. Yeah, and they were still doing the fireworks for that uh, that concert that they were doing. So our the cast member who was the pilot driving the boat, like I was hoping he was gonna slow down or even stop. And sure shit, like once the fireworks started going off, he just kinda slowed down and let us all watch the fireworks and it was just super magical seeing all the fireworks going off with the contemporary in the background and reflecting on the water and it was like twenty five degrees outside. It was, it was and I was so full, I was uncomfortable, you know, kinda night. 
it was it was pretty rad. So if you ever get a chance to, when you go back to the parks, definitely even just for just for the trip to take the boat to Fort Wilderness and back, you know, it's just fun to go on. Yeah, I've never been to Fort Wilderness, so that would be a super cool thing to do. Yeah, so next time you and your girl go back to the parks, see if you can get a reservation for Hoopty Doo. Highly recommend it. It's a fun little show that they do. Um, it's all kind of like southern food, like homestyle cooking. They bring all your food out. and, and Ribs, fried chicken, corn, or vegetable of the day. It was actually yeah. green beans that time that were like bomb as fuck. Mashed potatoes, cornbread. And they come out in buckets, like metal pails. Sure. They bring all your food out. And they have a secret mac and cheese. Ask for it. They yet to ask for we asked for it. It was delicious. Because Julie asked for it, and then our waiter was like, uh, you see, he actually held the menu up. He's like, you see it on the menu anywhere? And she's like, yes. And I just looked at him, and I was like, mm. <laughs> <So> Also, <laughs> the mac and cheese at the Fort Wilderness is better than the mac and cheese at Trails End. Which is the restaurant next door to it. Okay. So, yeah, just yes, as a recommendation. They also have uh, unlimited sangria or beer, and they do a white, is it white and red sangria, or just the red? Just red. Yeah, and I recommend ah. doing the sangria. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a selling point right there. That's what I said. Exactly. Yeah, unlimited. And, like, our waiter literally, like, brought them over as soon as we finished them. Like, we were never wanting. Yeah, he was amazing. And the staff that's that awesome. works there has been there for, like, they've all been there forever. So, like, it's they, they they do a great job. And it's a fun show. They bring you in. They interact. Like, they ask you if, if who's had birthdays or anniversaries and stuff. And they actually bring you out to dance or sing or whatever with them and stuff. It's <coughs> That's and a lot then of fun. they made fun of us because we were only celebrating one anniversary. Yeah. Yeah, it's, Very pretty, cool. it's pretty cool shit. So yeah, I definitely recommend just even just going for a boat ride on the on the Seven Seas Lagoon. It's a pretty cool little trip. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So the Magic Kingdom is not alone when it comes to having its own form of watercraft. Epcot joined the club with their very own fleet called the Friendship Boats. With the opening of MGM Studios and the expansion of Epcot's resorts and entertainment like the Boardwalk, this gave guests another option when it comes to taking it in the scenery and relaxing while traveling in between destinations. The Friendship Boats bring guests from the International Gateway behind uh, the exit and entrance of Epcot to the Hollywood Studios backstage entrance uh, with stops at the Beach and Yacht Club, the Boardwalk, as well as the Swan and Dolphin Resorts. This trip, uh, including the stop, takes around 20 minutes from the International Gateway to Hollywood Studios. So have you ever done the Friendship Boats yourself? I have, yeah. And honestly, I really like the Friendship Boats. But at the same time, you can walk from Hollywood Studios to Epcot or vice versa. It is a nightmare. Don't do it. Have you done it before? I, I've i done it's it before, such yeah. such a long walk. And on a hot it, it day, is, oh my it, god, it's draining, and it takes forever. Yeah. Let the man talk. I feel like, <laughs> <laughs> no, it. No, it's all good. I feel like, depending, like, I've only done it by myself, so I'm going at my own pace, and it doesn't feel like I'm going that, like, it doesn't feel like it takes that long, and just with, accounting for all the stops on the friendship boats, I'm like, ah, you know, if I walk, I'll get there in about the same time. If I want to stop at, you know jelly rolls or something along the boardwalk grab a drink i can yeah i do have a question for you were they sure. doing construction on hollywood studios when you walked from hollywood studios to epcot um let's see like yes not construction i believe on hollywood so. studios but on the like bus but like the parking yeah. lot 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, because that's yeah, when we did it, and it just like took us on like a crazy roundabout way, and then we were finally on the trail, which I think that's what seemed so long. But that. Yeah. Sorry, continue. No, no, no. I'll I'll come back to it because it it relates more to the buses, so I'll talk about it then. But Amy and I, when we take the friendship boat from Hollywood Studios. I can only stomach the boat for so long. We'll either get off at the boardwalk or the beach resort and then walk to Epcot and always beat the boat. Yeah. Yeah. And, so and that's the what boat I think ride a little ways and still get to enjoy the resorts. Yeah. That's I think from the boardwalk to one of the parks is just a super nice stroll. Yeah, I agree. So my daughter and I went like four years ago or whatever, and we decided we wanted to walk as much as we could that day. So we literally walked from, MGM or Hollywood to Epcot and then went from through all the way through Epcot to the outs. Like we just went in Epcot and out Epcot. We didn't even stop there to catch a monorail to go to Magic Kingdom and then finish the night, like the last six hours and close out the park that night. And I think we ended up doing like 40,000 steps or some crazy shit that day. Yeah. My top, my top has been, I think like 46 and that was brutal. Yeah. It's a long day in the parks. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was like rope drop to close, and I've never slept better in my life. Yeah. Yeah, when Amy and I had like our first couple of trips. And Amy is her co-host on the uh, One, One Little Spice And my podcast. best friend yeah. and culinary enthusiast as well. Um, we walked and did a lot more on those trips, but now, well, as the years went by, we were like, okay, well, we have annual passes. We're going like two or three times a year now. We don't have to cram everything in even this past trip i think i got sick a couple days so i went back to the hotel to take a nap and we just kind of like took it easy did all the stuff we needed to do and uh didn't go crazy with the steps but still had an amazing trip and found ways to find our disney magic without killing ourselves so yep but we we've definitely had those days yeah it's fun i enjoy walking the parks so my my thing with the friendship boats, if you can get a seat on the stern and sit outside on the back little uh, bench they have, oh, for sure. it's like the ideal oh, place oh, to be. Definitely. But it also depends on the time of day, too, because sometimes that sun is like right there and you're getting eaten up by the sun the whole trip, you know? Actually, there is another boat transportation that um, I took once <coughs> because I needed to see Ben in Frozen Ever After and I was going to miss him. So from Epcot to Hollywood, Hollywood Studios, MGM. There is a pontoon boat that they don't really use normally to transport guests under normal circumstances. But I was like, oh, my God, I just missed the boat. When's the next boat coming? I have to see Frozen Ever After. I have to see Ben. I'm leaving tomorrow. (laughs) And so they took me on this little pontoon boat that was like so comfy. It's like you go to those boat shows or go to like Bass Pro Shop or something and you're like, I'm going to own one of those boats one day. And oh, the seats were like leather and cushiony and magical, and that was the best boat <laughs> ride I've ever taken. And one of the skippers was from Massachusetts too, so like extra amazing. Heck yeah, yeah. Which is something I'm gonna talk about too here. I, I didn't write it down, but I want to bring it up after this uh, next little part of this transportation with the with the water stuff. Um, regards to the pontoons, that's something that you may not know about yourself, Matt. Well, now you do. No, I I had no idea. See, this is the problem with us having the same brain. <clears throat> we want to talk about the same things, but I don't realize that he's going to talk about them later. <laughs> so I always steal <laughs> his thunder. All right. So besides uh, Epcot, Disney Springs also joined the Watercraft Club with their own water taxis that take guests to and from the Saratoga Springs DVC port, which is across a lake 
uh, I believe it's at the west side of Disney Springs over there in the marketplace area. Uh, the, the one area of Disney Springs that has not been renovated yet. Uh, it's if you go back behind uh, where the Art of Disney is and uh, the Christmas shop is, there's some bathrooms and there's a little sure. sidewalk that takes you over back there to Saratoga and there's a little port there. Uh, so that takes you not only uh, from the Saratoga Springs port to Port Orleans, it also will take you right across the water to the east side of Disney Springs over where the Cirque du Soleil and uh, 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 okay. whatever the... Are the we talking about the boats that wished us congratulations on our wedding night? Yep. Okay. What the hell is that? Not the Hard Rock. What's the, that fucking place? Planet Hollywood. House yeah. of Blues. House of Blues. Thank you. Yeah. And Planet Hollywood. No, Planet no. Hollywood's Not, in the middle somewhere, Yeah, right? that, that's called yeah. The, the observatory now or something. It's still a Planet Hollywood observatory. Yeah. But, yeah, so that one... So if you're, like, too shitty and had too much food over at wherever in that area in the west side, you can take the boat across uh, to the east side. Nice little drive across. Um, or if you want to go visit the Port Orleans... And get some yummy snacks uh, from that place. <gasps> they have boozy beignets, which we still haven't gotten. I told you that night that we... Mm-hmm. It wasn't our last night in the parks, but it was the night I came to visit you at work. Mm-hmm. And then we went to the parks, and I was like, we should get boozy beignets after this. And then I was too exhausted. <sighs> yeah, it's fun. But yeah, so they have a... It's a cool little boat ride, and they're free to take. If you want to go on a little boat cruise, even while you're just visiting Disney Springs for the day, just jump on one of the water taxis and, and have some fun with it. Uh, but besides the water taxis, they also have some offerings uh, for some private rentals. Uh, for one, I know that they have is, uh, I think it's about a 35-foot uh, wood boat, an Italian schooner, that you can rent. And it's pretty expensive. Uh, but you can have up to a group of 12 people on this boat and go out on the water out there for a little cheese and wine uh, theme type of situation. When you're at Saratoga? No, if Disney Springs. It's and, and the boat is parked out back by the boathouse. Is it like the Wine Bar George? It might be part of that. They, yeah. But I know like right behind the boathouse, they have the docks out there where the bar's at, and they have a bunch of boats out there. And you can actually see the wood schooner that's out there. It's beautiful Oh, boat. we should also talk about the uh, aqua. Yeah, and they have the hydrocars. There you go. The, uh, mm-hmm. What are those things are called? I, they have a name. Amy knows it. Yeah, I know what it's called, too. And it'll come to me like I know, four it's in the on morning. I know, on my tongue. <laughs> you know what we're talking about, dude? Yeah, I, kn- I know. I, just, I can't think of the name either. I've never ridden them, but I see them all the time. They're called Amphimobius vehicles. There you go. <laughs> Taking the advice from outside experts, Disney moved forward with an ongoing plan to upgrade their infrastructure, with theme parks like Hollywood Studios expanding their offerings, drawing massive crowds into the theme parks, putting the newly updated roads and services into use. And with that, uh, Hollywood Studios did change out their entrance and also all of their bus parking in their depots uh, like all the other parks did as well. That was super fun visiting during all of that. I mean, they're also still really far away, but it felt like they were even farther away when they were still in like the construction portion yeah. of it because everything was um, temporary until they got those in. Yeah, I know even like parking, and they even changed the characters too for the parking spaces. Did they? Yeah, they updated the characters and stuff to uh, Mickey and all them because it used to be more Toy Story related, I believe. I thought they are. We always park in Buzz. Oh, is it? I don't know. Yeah. I could just be talking shit here. You are. <laughs> <laughs> but I know, like one of the one of the fun things too is uh, before the Skyliner opened up was when we parked there is just seeing the testing that started happening and watching those structures get built and come together and and then suddenly seeing the test and then they had them, the test going and they were all covered. Yeah, because they started the test when I moved down. Yeah. And they still had the plastic wraps on them. And or then no, before I moved down when I was up for um, Passholder. Oh yeah, for Passholder. Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. And then one day, all of a sudden, one of the wraps came off on accident. One of the, the plastic coverings. So 
<laughs> which we could uh we'll get into when we talk about that part. But uh, once they finish up the roads and stuff, they got to start putting the buses into uh, tests with the double double expanded buses. Um, their fleet now is around 400 buses they have, and the buses run about every 15 minutes. And one of the nice things now, too, is most of the resorts now have a digital board that shows the time of when the buses are going to be showing up. It's not always 100% accurate, but it's super cool. And you can also actually look through your app, the My Disney Experience app. If you are staying at one of the resorts, it'll show from your resort when the next buses go. So if you're in your hotel room getting ready, you kind of know how much longer you have to get ready. Or if you're going to miss that bus, you can take a little longer to get there for the next bus. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's super convenient. I love that update. It's so convenient. Yeah, so much. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's amazing. But once they started the My Disney My, My Disney Plus, I guess it is. Is that what it's called? The app. They uh, My Disney Experience. Yeah, yeah, that thing. But yeah, Disney Plus is the TV thing. <laughs> I get them all backwards, <laughs> and then the Disney Play. But uh, yeah, it was nice because then they then you really got a chance to see all as this thing began to grow and expand and all the additions they started adding to it, and that being one of them, uh, which is super nice. And uh, one of the things they also added was the uh, minivan service that you can also access through the app as well. And uh, Julie has, or I could be wrong, but Julie has a lot more information on that than I do because I have not uh, taken that service yet. So Amy and I have taken it once. Um, but the minivan started in summer of 2018. There was only a small fleet of them at, the po- at that point, um, and they were only... Uh, going from the resorts, the um, oh my gosh, what are they called? The deluxe, the yep. deluxe resorts. So like the Grand Floridian, the Contemporary, and stuff. And before Amy and I actually had a chance to ride one of them, I was able to kind of get a tour of one of them while we left. I think it was brunch. I was waiting for Amy in the bathroom or something, and I <laughs> started talking to the driver, and it was really cool. So. At the time, they didn't have uniforms, but they were going to have uniforms, which were going to be these like gray pinstripe tops that actually looked like they were going to be really cool. And then the minivan itself is like a like a wrap that's done on the car, which is really cool. And then each yeah. car has a car seat. So if you need a car seat, and then if you need multiple car seats, they will come with more than one car seat. Uh, but there are several different size vans. They have like the um, the small SUV, the regular size SUV, and then the uh, the XLs that they have. So depending on how many of you there are, they also have the like handicap accessible vans, which are really cool. So they have a lot of really awesome options for minivans as well. Um, and it is through Lyft, so you can actually order it through the Lyft app, and it'll give you the option to select. Um, when you're actually at one of the resorts that offers it, whether you want a regular lift or if you want to pay extra for the minivan, which is super cool. Um, Amy and I took it once, and we took it because we were doing breakfast at Trails End. And I know when you and I took the bus, I mean, took the boat mm-hmm. to eat dinner at the Hoopty Doo Review, we went to the parks. And then took the boat. So we were already there. But Amy and I were staying at our our Disney hotel. And so we didn't want to get up extra early to get the bus to the park to then take the boat to the Fort Wilderness. Um, So if you can do it that way, that is a 
great option like if you're going for dinner or something or lunch at Fort Wilderness or the Wilderness Lodge or anything like that. You can definitely take the boats and that gets you literally right next door to the uh, Pioneer Hall where the Hoopty Doo Review is and then Trails End is right next door. But we opted to take a minivan one because we'd never had a minivan before and never ridden in it and you know we were curious and wanted to try it out. We were actually staying at Pop Century that trip so it was our Christmas trip. And we did Trails Head for breakfast, and we ordered the minivan. Um, I think it ran us about $30, and which is significantly higher than, you know, most Ubers and Lyfts around Disney. Usually those will run you like six, seven, eight bucks. Um, but we opted to do this because it's the only form of transportation that can travel back to Pioneer Hall from the main parking area because if you take an uber or a taxi they drop you off at the front and then you have to wait for a bus that takes you back to pioneer hall because the only uh forms of transportation that are allowed on those roads are golf carts oh interesting buses and the minivans so we took the minivan and our minivan driver was super awesome insanely knowledgeable about disney um i remember we were driving back to Pioneer Hall and there was actually a deer so he slowed down so we could take pictures of the deer and everything and uh really really personable and then at the end he was actually really sweet he's like so normally I only do this for the kids but you guys seem like you're really into Disney so I want to let you guys choose one and he had these little bracelets that were all themed towards different characters and so I took the bell one and it was mostly yellow and then it had like three green and a red one to symbolize the Rose, and then they had like Lilo, and they had Stitch, and like Buzz Lightyear, and Maleficent, and were the ones that he had made, and they were ones that he had made. Yeah, That's it fun. was super, super cool, and uh, he That's gave us weird. a lot of information about Fort Wilderness itself because um, we were there Christmas time. You know, he said you could take a carriage ride around and look at all the Christmas lights, and he was talking about the Christmas decorations and the Halloween decorations, and. And everything like that. So he had a lot, lot of knowledge. So yes, it was a little bit pricier, but for the convenience and the extra Disney magic, if you will, it was certainly worth it. Heck yeah! So when you uh, order those, how do you how do you get your your minivan ordered? So, so through the Lyft app, you can select a regular car, or you can select the upgraded minivan. Like I said, ten minutes ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> through Lyft. <laughs> through Lyft, yeah. Um, you might be able to do it now through the Disney app, but you can't do anything through the Disney app right at this very second. So I yeah. can't. But um, I believe on the website, I know we did it through Lyft. Yeah, it's saying right now it's on the website as through Lyft through the actual app. Yeah, that's wh- that's how we did it through app, and you can when you're actually in on Disney property, yep. they give you the option for the Disney minivan or just a regular Lyft. And I know too. I had heard that you can now get them to uh, kind of like for the day, pr- for instance, to kind of customize your day. Uh, you can take them off property, and uh, they'll take you to the local, uh, uh, what's it called, the freaking outlets, or if you need to go to the grocery store, all that kind of stuff. So it's, uh, which probably would be a little bit more expensive, I'm sure. Which is what you can do with normal Uber and Lyft as well, but, you know, yeah. you just get that extra fancy Disney touch, and like I said, it really kind of felt like we were, like, in a limo. Well, and that's what they want to do. Disney wants to have that, to keep you in that whole Disney-centric, front-of-mind kind of mentality while you're feeling the pixie dust and the magic your entire time, even if you're just going to the grocery store. I think it's pretty rad. Have you taken that yet, Matt? Have you used it? I have not. Just for the principle of, you know, the cost. Like, 
because when I'm there, I'm not looking to travel really far distances. I'm always staying at a Disney resort, so the buses are super convenient to me. And if I'm going somewhere off property, like if I need to run to Walmart or something like that, even going to like a, a different park or, you know, getting a ride in the morning so I don't have to take the buses and be crowded. I would go Uber or Lyft in that regard as well, just in principle, because like Julie said, it's only, you know, seven or eight bucks. And I say that's a little better than 30. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And like the only reason Amy and I took it, like I said, was for the convenience because a regular Uber wouldn't have taken us back. And then we would have had to wait for another bus and who knows how long that would have taken. So the minivan just got us straight back to where we needed to go. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely smart on Disney's end. And um, it's it's interesting that they uh, teamed up with Lyft out of all of the services that are offered out there, that they were the one that they chose. Which I'm kind of curious if there's a story behind, like if there was a bidding war or something like that to get, you know, who was going to actually be a part of this between Uber and Lyft and all the other ones that are out there. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm kind of curious. But yeah, so uh, once the the minivan service started getting getting used more so, uh, behind the scenes they started testing the Skyliner. <coughs> and uh, like we were saying earlier, uh, at one point in time, uh, they don't know if it was done intentionally by Disney or if it was an accident, but one of... Uh, most of the of the sky, uh, not uh, most, but all the Skyliners had a had a plastic wrap around them, so you couldn't see uh, what was underneath it. Just that these white things were moving through the skies, and all of a sudden one day uh, there was a pretty good windstorm had come through, and one of the of the wraps covers had gotten ripped off. Um, and so again, they, they don't know if Disney did it intentionally or if it was something that uh, just happened by accident. But it exposed one of the the wraps around it, and Disney had already previewed one of the wraps at D23. But what were you going to say? Did you talk about the minivans from the airport? Oh, no, we didn't. Did we? No, you were going to talk about it. Oh, yeah. So I guess to back up real quick, I'll, I'll just throw this in there. Uh, you can also take the minivans from uh, the airport, depending on uh, the size of your group as well. And from what I understand, too, if you have a, a large group of people and you have a shit ton of luggage, uh, they'll actually bring two minivan services for you. So one can actually hold your luggage, and then the other one will carry your family along with you, which I think is interesting. Uh, it sounds pretty expensive. I think most people would probably rather take the uh, the Tragical Express. I guess it's the Magical Express, too. It's the too. Magical Express, too, Disney. Gosh, babe. I'm sorry. But, uh, you know, for those that, that are the, the hoity-toity uh, folks out there that have the, the money to spend... The ten thousand dollar Disney Week trips um, might have that opportunity to do the the Disney minivan service from the airport. So, uh, but yeah, so the so what was interesting too was once they once they did, uh, the cover for the Skyliner was exposed, uh, Disney decided to go ahead and start to peel off a lot of them. And uh, there was a day that Julie and I actually got to go to the park, and as they were coming across, we sat there and started getting super excited because we could see all the different wraps going across. And we're like, okay, which one do we want to go in and which one's our favorite, you know, kind of thing. And uh, as you might discuss as well, Matt, uh, come to find out that if you want to get good video, uh, the ones to not be in is the ones that have the fun character wraps in, or the ones to be in, I should say. <laughs> that if was, you want good video, yeah. do not write a character wrapped <laughs> Skyliner. There we go. That was, that was what we were trying to get out there. Yeah, but uh, Matt's going to fill us in on the history of the Skyliner itself and uh, how this all came together, man. Just want to let us fill us in. Yeah, 
Absolutely. So going from the ground to the air, the newest form of transportation at Walt Disney World is the Disney Skyliner, as we have mentioned multiple times to this point. And it was originally announced at the D23 Expo in July of 2017. And the Skyliner first took flight on September 29th of last year, 2019. Uh, So I don't date this podcast, you know, and transports guests across four resorts and two parks. Now, as we've talked about, many of the gondolas feature image wraps of Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars characters, while, again, as we've mentioned, some do not have character images and offer guests a clear, unobscured view of the Walt Disney World Resort from a completely new point of view. And each gondola can seat up to 10 and give guests a bird's eye view like never before. That scares the, route the crap travels. out of me, being in one of those things with nine other people. Like, the four of us was scary enough. Ten? Whew. Uh, okay, Disney. <laughs> that's, that's my big thing, too. I'm not... Like, I've never ridden the Skyliner. I'll preface that from the start. Um, but I'm not looking forward... I am looking forward to it, but at the same time, I'm not. Because I'm terrified of heights. And being suspended with a group of people in a small space, that really freaks me out. But I do want to ride it just for the principle to say, hey, I've ridden the Skyliner. I, too, am terrified of heights. And I was more motion sick on it than terrified of how high we were. Because you don't really feel like you're definitely not going to fall out of it. And then as far as, like, your party, unless it's, like, crazy busy, you're only sitting with the people that you came with. So if it's, like, you and your girlfriend, like, you're not going to be jammed in there with a ton of people. Um, but yeah, my thing was I got super nauseous on it. Yeah, that's that's not ideal. But I also get super nauseous on Star Tours and Flight of Passage and She's just Smuggler's a big Run. Sissy. Hey, it's an inner <laughs> ear thing, all right? I still go on the mix up Star Tours never again. That was awful. For like forty five minutes I had to sit after that one and I was like Ugh. But everything else, I'll ride a thousand times again. So, yeah, so the the route of the actual uh, Skyliner, it, it travels six miles of cable through the sky, and it stops at Hollywood Studios, Epcot, um, at the International Gateway Station, the Riviera Resort, Caribbean Beach, and a shared station between Pop Century and Art of Animation. We stopped at that and... one. Sorry, just adding my two <laughs> Oh, you're good. You're good. Um, like I said, I've never ridden the skyliner i was there a few weeks before it opened in september i was there i believe the the week uh the i believe like the ninth through the 12th or something like that i think it was uh, two or three weeks beforehand so i got to see all the testing and it was really cool and they go a lot faster than what i was anticipating yeah so and yeah, the it is crazy when you seem... see it go like when it's looking in the sky, it doesn't seem like it's going as fast. But when you watch that come down and go into the the different ports, you're like, oh, OK, then that's pretty speedy. Yeah, I have I have some video from that um, pulling into. Let's see. Where was I? I was at Hollywood Studios when I was on testing and I was like, wow, this is this is going a lot quicker. So I know a lot of people were kind of. uh nervous about them not having air conditioning from the start and like i said i can't speak directly to it but from what i've seen on youtube it doesn't seem like that's a major issue yeah we were in it on a cloudy day actually we were on it on that was a freezing day 
And actually, it was interesting because inside of it, where there's no air conditioning, there also wasn't heat. And being inside of it on a freezing cold day, they wouldn't let us open any of the little vents. But it wasn't cold either. Yeah. So I'm sure the ventilation helps, like from the windows being open and how fast it goes for enough air circulation and to be there on a hot day. But we'll find out eventually. Yeah, I know I've seen tests. Some of the guys that, uh, that I follow as well on YouTube, um, they, they've gone through and tested, like in the middle of summertime when this thing was going. Um, and it was uh, probably about a five to eight degree difference in temperature inside compared to outside, which is not a lot. But when you're in like a, a cabin with wind blowing and it's in the shade, it makes a big difference in Florida. Unless, of course, this thing stops working, which is, has had some issues in the past. Uh, like we had the incident that happened in, uh, on, in 2019 on October 5th. The little, right. little gondola gate. Dude, the compensation that those people got, well, I wish I was stuck on one of those gondolas. Yeah. Yeah, I would take that. Yeah, definitely. Now, when it comes to the operating hours, again, can't speak directly to it because I, I feel like they are kind of up in the air. It really varies depending on when certain parks are open. Like if Hollywood Studios has, I'm sure, early on when they had extra, extra magic hours starting at 6 a.m., were the gondolas running or was the Skyladder running at that time? Yeah, so there, it's it seems like what's going to happen because because the Hollywood Studios is is uh, staying open and well, it's supposed to stay open an hour later than Epcot, so you can take the monorail or the uh, Skyliner back to Hollywood Studios if you're say going want to go to Star Wars, Galaxy's Edge or something like that. I mean that's not all year round, but there's parts of the times of the year that it's going to be open a little, little bit later. Um, when is Hollywood Studios going to be open later? They have had they had extended <laughs> hours. Because they've only been open till eight, as long as I've known them to exist. Yeah, they've had extra extra late nights. Probably because Rise of the Resistance kept breaking down, and they needed to fit everybody's boarding passes in. Yeah, but I, I know some of the concern um, from what I've understood was just like say high winds or from thunderstorms, because you know, Florida summertime thunder thunderstorms here pop up and out of, out of nowhere really. And a lot of times when they do pop up, especially in this area, that you get some pretty high winds, so they have to suspend the the, uh, the you know the things from moving. And we've actually seen them moving on windy days, and they're just you know and they were empty, but they were like swaying back and forth, and it was kind of unnerving just watching them from the ground. Like oh my god, I couldn't imagine being in sure. that thing right now, you know. But even when you're in there, like you're you know you're seeing the video of like them going into the into the terminals or into the stations, it's crazy like how they just like swoop down. I think. On that same note, one of the cool parts of the line is when you're going from Hollywood Studios into uh, the Riviera Terminal to where you, uh, you get off to go to uh, Art of Animation or what have you. Um, it goes over the water and it goes on to Hourglass Lake. What? Isn't that, isn't that the same station? Mm-mm. Is that the Riviera there? The st- it goes from Hollywood Studios to the station uh, between Art of Animation and... Right, that's on Hourglass Lake. I, th- I thought and that then, was the same Yeah, one. that's the one that goes over it, but then oh. there's a separate one to Riviera, and then the other one goes to Caribbean Beach. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, my bad. So, yeah, so the one that c- goes into Art of Animation that's on Hourglass Lake, uh, you actually drop down a little bit and kind of hover over the water. That was the coolest and thing it's, ever. And it's pretty that rad. That was so fun. It, kind of, it reminds me of uh, Harry Potter riding on the back of, um, of B- uh, Buckbeak or whatever the hell his name is. Dragging his little toes in the water, you know, flying across the lake there. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but when you do go into that station, it's crazy. Like it just, it's still doing. It's like a, I think it's eleven miles an hour or sixteen miles an hour. These things go at, and then all of a sudden it just 
it stops on the brakes and it goes down to one mile an hour right before you're about to smash into the one in front of you. And uh, <laughs> it's pretty wild seeing it. But it's it's pretty cool, though, too, how the system works. And there's a couple that are already off the track that are for uh, handicap accessible so that that's not holding up the, the station. And also people aren't freaking out trying to, like, push their grandma on the on their wheelchair or trying to get her on the thing before it takes off and they everybody, you know, gets crushed or whatever. It's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a smart system the way it's all set up. And it's, it's neat seeing especially the one on Hourglass Lake, because it's got two different tracks that it goes on, so you can see uh, which direction. Because when we went for Dapper Day, uh, we had to go catch the bus from from uh, Pop Century because the one going to Epcot was closed for whatever reason. And uh, so it's 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 still a neat system. And you can see, too, um, how eventually they're going to be able to expand the the, tra- the train the, the lines, basically. Uh, just be, even, the, even the one that the hub there that has the two spaces... There's definitely room for another one to be built there. It seemed like there was a, for a third space. Did we also talk about the awesome handicap switch off that is super cool? Yeah, that's what I just mentioned. Okay, I yeah, wasn't yeah. sure. Yeah, so it's it's pretty neat. It's a it's a fun situation, but definitely like when they had the one that broke down, the, the what's kind of fucked up and ironic is my buddy John came in to Disney Springs with his family, and I was in there working and. Uh, they was like, yeah, we're going to go ride the Skyliner for the first time. And I was like, I hope it doesn't break down on you guys. Just kind of just talking shit. And sure as hell, like that was the night that it broke down and they were stuck on it for like three and a half hours. And it, I guess in a sense, it's a good thing it happened early for Disney to learn how to handle this kind of thing. Because they have like a, an emergency bag a kit under the seat that's got a couple bottles of water and, and some ice packs and stuff like that in there. So if you get overheated... Um, you don't have any place to take a pee, and I know I'd probably be trying to piss out one of the vents or something because I have a bladder of a two-year-old, so who knows how long I could hold it for myself. Um, but they also have an intercom uh, phone system on the thing that... That apparently is linked to every single gondola. Yeah, so if you call... So I guess at the, at the time, I'm not sure if it's still the same way, but if when you would call the number, every single person is hearing the phone conversation happening between you and the dispatch. And they had like this annoying repeating, you know, things, whatever that was saying the same thing over and over and over again. So, you know, it'd be like being stuck on Small World with the freaking music playing over and over and over and over again. Just kind of gets you after a while. But uh, they have the 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 boats that go onto the the pontoon. Uh, I guess it's got like a like a scissor jack lift kind of gimmick that goes off the raft and goes up to the height of where the things are, so they can get people out of it if they're stuck over the water, for instance. So they definitely are prepared for it. The only thing, though, is like that night, it also made Disney realize that uh, the Reedy Creek Fire Department isn't prepared on a on a staff level for something of that nature. If something major were to happen, because they were pretty much they were stretched to the limits that night, like with all their guys being having to go out and, and help these people out. So it's a lot of things have to ha- have to change, I guess, as uh, this thing continues to run. But the system and the company that manufactured this thing has had a really good. Uh, track record across the world uh, with these systems so it seems to be one of those things that is uh going to be beneficial and not only for just a way to get back and forth to the parks but also it's a it's it's an experience and an attraction of its own yeah no doubt about that you know, and cool. I, I think it's the only gondola system in north america with double loading oh interesting yeah so yeah just right. a little fun fact there yeah yeah I know too that they talked about. Um, there's like three phases, I guess, with this. With this, and the long, from what I understand, when I've heard, the long-term goal of the expansion of this whole thing is eventually you'll be able to go from Disney Springs to Animal Kingdom. And uh, I don't think there'll ever be one going to Magic Kingdom, but in the on the 
you know, the Epcot, Animal Kingdom, Hollywood Studios side of things. Uh, this thing is going to run and zigzag in and out everywhere from going to uh, drop you off over at, um, what's the freaking water park with the, the Blizzard Beach? Is one good place for them to put one of these things at. Uh, you can get off there to get over to, from there to uh, Animal Kingdom, because it's all right there in that same kind of area. But right. I guess they're saying one of the one of the stations can go behind, uh, freaking uh, the restaurant. I'm having a complete brain fart right now. The volcano restaurant at Disney Springs. Wow. What the hell is that place called? The Rainforest Cafe. Yeah, that one. <laughs> Formerly Mar- uh, Margaritaville at one point in time, but uh. Yeah, right behind Rainforest Cafe, where the where the boat launch is there, to go to the Port Orleans, uh, they could put one of the the tram Skyliner hubs there. So there's a a lot of a lot of different infrastructures that they uh, areas and spaces that they can do to make this work. Which I think is pretty smart. Yeah, definitely. And any kind of expansion is always good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and especially like you know, even expanding like the different wraps they have and the different characters they're gonna add as these movies start to, new movies come in and out. Definitely, it's, it's pretty, yeah, definitely, it's pretty rad. And I think they have something like fifty character designs that they use for them. I've seen one. Yes. Oh, sorry for the Skyliners. I was thinking the monorail. All right, yep. Just kidding. Ignore me. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I've seen quite a few. Um, I think the first one that I saw was Beauty and the Beast, and that was when I was down there. Um, but I've seen so many just from watching YouTube videos, like Peter Pan, um, Lilo and Stitch, Star Wars, Haunted Mansion, Frozen, Haunted Mansion, yeah, um, Chip and Dale, Chip and Dale, Mickey Mouse. You know, they got from you know A to Z Disney's. Yeah, and I think on one of the there. fun things too is like uh, the different style of art that they use. Like the majority of them have this very similar look to the art of them, uh, but a couple of them like there's a Star Wars one that's got R two D two and C three PO and the and the little porgs in the windows, and they're done in a different type of uh, drawing or, or style of art in a and sense. And the Disney's, I mean, the Mickey is the new Mickey. Yeah. Animation. Yeah, then you can also buy like the tchotchkes of like the the Skyliner uh, little aluminum versions of them the small ones and they have the t-shirts and stuff at the stations a lot of different and then they had a funko pop out and they have the popcorn bucket yeah which seems to be a pretty good size uh, popcorn bucket definitely i think it's on par with the um the cauldron cauldron i think the one that holds the least popcorn is the simba but we have one nonetheless because he's adorable and um yes yeah So I know myself, I remember as a kid growing up and, and going to Walt Disney World and riding the Skyway uh, within Magic Kingdom and always enjoying the view and getting to see the parks from a whole different perspective. So I know like myself, at, you know, waiting for this thing to open up, I was like, oh man, I can't wait to see the parks from a whole different perspective. And uh, there's a little bit of a narration that goes on uh, as like your host, for instance, like in, while you're in the in the Skyliner that's kind of talking to you about the things you're going to be seeing. And it's going to be pretty cool. Eventually they can maybe add some wildlife or something of that like nature when you, take you know the monorail through epcot yeah exactly right yeah yeah which is actually really cool now to go on because you can see all the construction yep. and the progress yeah. that they're making with that that's my favorite thing in the whole world yeah it's pretty rad stuff so i think we pretty much covered all of it i don't know i don't really know what else i know uh with the buses uh when they updated the skyliners and started opening that stuff up they also updated the fleet of buses with the new wraps and they're constantly updating the the different art that they're putting on the buses which is a lot of fun 
Those are amazing. Yeah. There's a Figment bus. Yeah, I, I really like those. Those are really cool. Yeah, I, I do too. Yeah, it's a it's a fun, unique way that Disney can really put their fingerprint on a lot of stuff in there. And it's just a style of art that they're using for them. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's not just a, a rap that's got a preview for a movie coming up. You know, it's an actual character. And then also now they've updated the... Yeah, because they started with the movie previews. They had the Guardians of the Galaxy one and right. stuff like that. But now they're actually just characters and they, yeah. they're artwork that was you know specifically created for the buses so they work well with the shape and everything yeah now the buses have like the usb plugs inside of them for charging your phones which i get it just seems kind of silly because i don't know if they're like a super fast charging station because a lot of times these bus rides are maybe 15 minutes long if that to get from the park to your to your hotel so it doesn't give you a lot of time to plug in your phone unless you're about to have a, a phone that's going to die, which most of us, my phone dies before I leave the park anyway, so it's kind of pointless unless I'm paying... Your phone dies before you get to the it's, park. Yeah, that's true. Unless I'm paying money for the, the charger that they have, which I don't uh, I don't have one yet. It might make sense for us to get one because it's like 30 bucks and then you can just Yeah, swap, just swap them out. out. Yeah. yeah, and they also have Wi-Fi on them now too, which is nice, which... uh. Not everybody has unlimited data, so some folks, especially those that are in town from out of, out of the country, that have like a you know f- a phone just for the the country, for the little short time they have limited data. I'm sure. Yeah, but like there's sure. there's Wi-Fi in the parks. Like it's one of those things where you're not on it that long for it to make that much of an impact. That it seems like really cool and Disney's high tech and moving forward with that stuff, but also kind of. Yeah. Why? It allows people to post to Instagram faster. Yeah, there you go. I know I loved using the buses to take a nap on on the way back to the resort myself. That is the downtime that I have to post on our one little spice page, though. So that's when my posts usually happen there. And at the end of the day, it's usually dead. Yeah. That makes sense. I know, too, I had heard uh, there were some patents that were filed for some augmented reality or some kind of something that they're going to try and do with within the windows of some of the systems, uh, the transportation systems, whether it was the monorails or the buses. Uh, so, like, for instance, like, say you're on the monorail heading to Epcot and uh, Figment may fly by the outside of the monorail that you would oh, see okay, him. Not like, like full. No, no, but, oh but you would, would like look through like, the glass. So I would vomit on that too. <laughs> <sighs> so you know, you look, you look out your window, and all of a sudden you see a figment flying by. You know, th- that's somehow done through augmented reality on on the glass itself. So it's lo- a lot of fun things like that, or that are, they have uh, ideas for, and the patents that have been filed for some future stuff that they could potentially have uh, experiences for us down the road, which I'm looking forward as uh, we are all itching to get back into the parks here very soon. No doubt about that. Yeah. Yeah, man. So I think that about wraps us up here with our uh, history of Disney transportation. It was uh, a bit of a nerdy conversation, but I think uh, <laughs> just in terms of just Disney history, it's one of the things I don't really hear a lot of people talking about and something uh, that is very interesting to me. I always, I always appreciate growth and in infrastructure, uh, whether it's a major city uh, or a town or Disney, for instance, you know, as they're getting ready for the 50th anniversary. And uh, to see, uh, as I've driven through the parks now for the last eight years and, and been a part of the transitions and the lane changes and what have you, uh, it's been fun to see this happen. And now we all get to experience it on a regular basis like it's always been there. So it's uh, it's been a fun conversation, man. And I appreciate you coming on board with us and uh, chit-chatting about some Disney uh, Disney history stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was a blast. Thank you for bringing me on once again. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, if you want to tell us before we get out of here again where we can find you out there in the, the world of cyberspace, whether it's the social medias or the podcast and all that good stuff. 
Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of those. If you just search LOTM podcast, um, you'll find me, Love of the Mouse podcast, on any of your uh, streaming apps, uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, pretty much anywhere you find, uh, you know, your podcast. You can find Love of the Mouse podcast, or you can check us out on our website, lovethemousepodcast.com. So, yeah, that's that's where you can find me. Heck yeah. How often do you uh, post shows? Uh, typically once a month. Okay. So we're, we're on a once a month schedule at this point, but I'm very active on Twitter. I'm on Twitter posting at least, you know, at, I try to at, get on there at least two times a day. Uh, with work, it's a little tough sometimes, but... Um, I'm on Twitter every day, so Heck yeah. that's probably the best way for anybody to connect with me. If you if you want to talk, for some reason, everybody keeps wanting to talk to me, just like you guys. So that's how that's how everybody finds me is Twitter. Awesome, hell yeah, yeah. And I'll make sure we have all your links and everything in the show notes for everybody to find you out there. And uh, it was uh, awesome. this past week I recorded with the Podcasters, friends of mine out in California have a podcast that talk about Disneyland stuff, and uh, I gave a gave a little bit of a shout out for your show on there for them. Oh, thank you. Mentioned. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, not a problem, dude. So, uh, anything else, Miss Julie, before we let everybody go? That's it. Sweet. Well, I mean, we're not letting everybody go. We still have what the Forky Foods and a couple other segments. But oh, yeah. I forgot. Yeah, so, uh, but yeah. But this ends the transportation portion of our podcast. There you go. So, uh, once again, thanks a bunch, dude. Cool. Well, now it's time for us to get into our next segment. With uh, Julie sharing some stuff you guys can make at home uh, with What the Forky Food. You know it. I want you to meet Forky. Uh, hi. Hello. Hi. Hey. Ah. Shoots and ladders. All right. So Disney has released a Dole Whip recipe. Among some other delicious recipes that are probably really good. But they will be talked about later because my what the forky segment is about how this is not an effing Dole Whip, guys. I can say fuck. This is not a fucking Dole Whip, guys. <laughs> it's yummy. It looks delicious. So it's basically vanilla ice cream, pineapple juice, frozen pineapple. Like, you can't go wrong. That's a delicious beverage. Maybe use coconut milk instead of the pineapple juice to get it a little pina colada -y. Like, it's open to a lot of fun interpretation. However, that's not how you make a Dole Whip. Then, Dole actually released a recipe too. Which I did appreciate because, okay, in Disney, everybody knows a Dole Whip is vegan. Because it's literally a powdered mix, mixed with water, and a frozen soft serve machine that makes it cold. There's a plane flying by right now. I'm sure you can hear it in the background. So they're like, hey, here's a recipe for Dole Whip, but it's not vegan. So Dole was like, okay, well, we're not gonna like give out packets of our powder or tell you that it's a powder. We all know it's a powder mix. My friend Amy actually has a packet of it, so she could totally make Dole Whip from home, and I'm super jealous. But Dole came up with a recipe that was vegan, so this actually sounds also delicious. Pineapple juice, a banana, frozen, a cup of pineapple juice is frozen, some powdered sugar, 
and some unsweetened coconut milk. Oh, look, that was kind of like my suggestion to add coconut milk to it. Like, it's gonna be delicious, but when you've had a po- uh, pineapple Dole Whip, has it tasted like coconut? Has it? No, it hasn't. So, delicious recipes, but what the forky? Come on. But they've also released a churro recipe that looked delicious. And it's interesting because everyone's like, oh, now I know how to make churros. But it's so easy. It's a pat of shoe dough. And you just pipe the little pieces of churro into some frying oil and bam. The one thing you have to do when you make a pat of shoe is when you mix the eggs into the batter, mix them one egg at a time. Do not put all the eggs in at once because it's a consistency thing. And sometimes you won't have enough eggs. Sometimes you'll have too many egg yolks. And it all depends on like the humidity and your elevation and where you are. So add one egg at a time. And then when it comes to the consistency that is in the video, it is what it is. There may be an extra egg that you need after the recipe is done. But yeah, parachute, awesome. And then they released a recipe for the Port Orleans beignets, which sound amazing. And I kind of want to make them and inject them with a little bit of booziness like they do there. Also sounds amazing. Some like spiced rum. Mm, yum. Whew, sounds delicious. Um, and then they also released a recipe. Now this, there has been a recipe going around for a while for the bread pudding at Ohana. And I shared this one with Jason and he was like, oh my God, that sounds amazing. Except he texted it back. That was just how like I imagined his voice was when he was reading that text to me. And I must say, okay, so I have had... Bread pudding made by the incredible Andy DeSisto for Mike Gulick's 40th birthday? Whoever that is. They actually have the Geek Salad podcast. They're pretty incredible. They're my friends. I've done actually a couple live videos with them on the internet talking about our favorites and all the Disney parks. So check those out too. Geek Salad. And he made it with challah bread which is a sweet bread, which is awesome. So they suggest either challah or the challah. <laughs> or the Hawaiian sweet bread or the sweet rolls or whatever they are. I personally love challah, but it has like a tiny bit of, and it's not crust. I mean, it technically is crust, but it's like a sweet crust because if anybody's had challah, it's very, very soft bread. But if you want to get the look like the one in Disney, definitely use... Um, the Hawaiian sweet rolls and then they're a lot easier to cut too because you're just kind of like boom cut into force um and then if you want to get fancy with the caramel syrup which I don't think Disney does so you don't have to and it'll make a darker caramel but I make bananas foster in my life and I've actually used the knot which is a banana flavored whiskey which is to die for but you take brown sugar and you melt it down and then you put your fruit in and then you put some cinnamon in and then you pour the alcohol in and then you set it on fire. So you flambe it and it makes this amazing, delicious, wonderful caramel sauce. But don't try this at home unless you know what you're doing because that flame gets insanely high and I did it once and it was burned down my parents' kitchen. So know what you're doing, but if you want to get a little fancy and showy, you can make the banana sauce like that and then obviously a delicious vanilla bean ice cream scoop to go on that mm -mm 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 -mm. yes but the dole whip recipe is not real so if you make it 
and you're like, oh my God, this doesn't taste like a Dole Whip. It's okay. I'm sure it's still delicious, but just know going into it, it's not going to taste like a Dole Whip. That's all. And that's my what the fucky food. And thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, as the great Walt Disney once said, if you believe in a thing, believe in it all the way. Like to join a gambling, there's a simple rule that's compulsory. Mortals pay a token.